When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, and welcome back to another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com, brought to you by MidFirst Bank. Go to MidFirstBank.com slash U40. Uh, and check out the OU Rewards credit card. Welcome in the entire crew on quarantine once again. Uh, get your quarantinis out. Uh, Josh, Eddie, and Bob uh, all joining us. And uh, gentlemen, how are we doing this? Are we uh, any further to uh, offing ourselves or anything this week? I would hope that you can drink a quarantini. Other than that, I don't know. You might be arrested for saying something like that. For for well, I'm not with Dak Prescott. I'm not having a house full of people over. Yeah, what an idiot! He's what a COVID idiot. idiot. You're, you're having to wait on the uh, the housewarming party. I'm sure down in Houston, Josh. Yeah, you know, um, it is the the thing I am noticing, and I don't know if it's shown. I, I don't know, Carrie, Eddie, if it's shown up on your timelines very much. But the popular thing to be that has become to happen, like during birthdays or stuff like that, is these drive-by parade Drive, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Lainey's birthday's in July. Like Layla's in December, so we could be into quarantine number two by that point in time. But like, I don't think it's gonna be really connected to this. Lainey, I'm starting to get a little concerned. We're gonna have to do something weird for her birthday, and I'm not at all excited about it. I yeah. I, I, my cousin had to do that with his uh, his little guy. I think he was six uh, this past week, actually. So uh, they had to, they had the uh, procession coming out in front of their house. The uh, other thing I've seen is uh, caution tape and like having it in your backyard with a bunch of hazmat materials and people try and be creative, for sure. Well, you mentioned uh, timeline, and before the podcast started today, I. Uh... I saw that the most the dumbest thing on my timeline that I've ever seen. Uh, a group has assembled in Oklahoma City called OK Back to Work. They're gathered at Penn Square Mall before driving over to the Capitol to protest business shutdowns and restriction on gathering and movement. So all of these covidiots have all gathered together and are basically just just starting a protest. Not just just hanging out with one another. Uh, there was uh, there there are flyers that are at that. Look at Dylan Richards, K O C O Dylan. Check yeah, out his I, his it. Twitter timeline. Uh, they started I, gathering. I was. I'm sorry, Eddie. I was. I said I was forced to comment on it. I didn't want to, but I was forced to make some type of comment on Twitter about it when I saw that. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Well, 
Eddie, you're an influencer. This is sort of what you have to do. This is the responsibility you, you now have. I know, and I, 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 I didn't sign up for this, but I guess this is kind of one of those hats I have to wear. It's kind of like uh, Kevin Stitt having to mess with the global pandemic. He didn't want to have to do it, but he has to do it. The, uh, my favorite tweet that he sent out was, uh, uh, a lady just walked toward me offering an interview and I had to tell her to stop walking toward me and back up to six feet. I was holding a mask and she said, quote, those don't work, you know. And then she walked back into the crowd and shook a man's hand. What a, uh, these people, what a, what a spirit, what a spirit of energy. <laughs> Well, you know, they say sentences like those don't work, you know, in, in you know, medical schools all the time. So those, yes. those happen a lot. That's probably an expert. We should listen to what she has to say. I mean. Don't just write her off. We deserve this. We really do deserve this. Get okay. You know, get okay back to work and church. That's a sign on one of the cars. Oh, God. Did that minister that, die that got in trouble for die of coronavirus that got in trouble for refusing to stop holding church? Yes, he was a. Uh, I, I want to say I don't know if he was a pastor or like a bishop or some shit like that down in Florida. One of my favorite stories, but it doesn't beat I think my favorite story of the week, and that is the uh, the lawsuit that is being levied onto uh, Liberty University and uh, oh my god, who I have now started to call the antichrist jerry followell it was just you know it's one of those things that really came out of left field this was tough to see how this was going to go when liberty <laughs> started calling students back. it was it was real this was a this was a i mean it seemed like the right decision at the time i think it's really tough on you know mr falwell to have to live with these uh ramifications <laughs> i would uh, say i would say though that this today doing this podcast is as we're doing this this is the first day you can say there's been positive news in terms of the return of sports because the man who I've been afraid that Stoops is going, or Stoops, boy, this is really weird, Trump uh, is distancing himself from. See, I want to talk about football, but I'm not talking about football. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, he has come out and said that, uh, yeah, you can play sports just as long as you quarantine yourself. And no fans are in the stands, and that's the first time. That's the first glimmer of hope. Anyone from the Met, and I think most people would say that Dr. Fauci is the leading expert on all of this stuff. Like for him to come out and say, "Sure, you could play sports. You just have to do this, this, and this." Like that's the first little ray of sunshine that we've seen since this whole thing started. Well, and that wouldn't totally I'm sure take. You're that. fired up about golf. That, yeah, I mean that, it, that announcement. It, there's at least some some light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, and I think that you know I I certainly don't think that it's a uh, I'm I'm 100 in the group of people that like don't ruin this for everybody. We've been headed in such a positive direction. Let's not have a relapse as a country, for a lack of better terms. But it does seem like uh, you know the, uh, Vice President Pence met with uh, what is it the I had never heard of the College Football Management Board until this morning when uh, that came out. I think Caitlin Collins or somebody reported that Pence and them were supposed to meet. And I guess it's just the 10 athletic directors plus the Notre Dame. Commissioners. Uh, or, uh, 10 commissioners right. plus the Notre Dame athletic director. I had never, I didn't even know that that was a, uh, 
I guess, a, a board or a, a committee. So, um, you know, I we're still a far ways off, but I think it's pretty positive for a lot of uh, reasons uh, to think that, you know, April 15th is things are headed in the right direction, possibly. I'm shocked that Bob Bowlesby hadn't sent Eddie an Evite or anything to the, the man. Yeah, that, board. that really shocks me, too. I'm such a big advocate of his that <laughs> you would think. We can, uh, I'll throw some uh, slightly, it's not breaking news, but uh, the big rumor in uh, the golf world is that the PGA Championship would be moved to Valhalla in Kentucky from uh, Harding Park out in San Francisco. I don't, you mm. know, you, you see the, you see the uh, things that are being set out of California right now, whether it be, uh, the governor, Gavin Newsom, or the uh, mayor from Los Angeles, kind of forget his name. He, he said something today about there's not going to be any type of public gatherings until 2021. I just, I find that hard to believe, but we'll see. That's Garcetti, right? Yes, I think that's he, right. That I couldn't yeah. think of his name. Yeah, no, no, and they've been... Because of the OJ connection. Yeah, and California has, has come out and... Uh, you know, it's kind of like everything else. You can say stuff, but then you can pull it back, but everybody's going to react to it. I, I I do feel a certain amount of shame uh, for some of the media that, you know, tries to lap on to every little negative news story. Like, what good does it do to tell people, you know, to write some story about, oh, you know, uh, so-and-so from MIT said it's going to be 2022 until anyone can go outside again. It's like, you yeah you know just shut I, your fucking mouth okay nobody needs to hear that shit no i i completely agree i get it to a certain extent but like we don't need to be rewriting every time that uh paul feinbaum of all oh, he's I been know. one of the worst like, that's just that is it, it's almost a little bit in my mind and i i guess it could be viewed a di uh, multiple ways but in my mind that's almost doing a disservice to the reader to the uh, subscriber, whoever. It's fear-mongering, yeah. I mean, it really yeah. is. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, it's interesting with uh, what, uh, um, is it Chris Cuomo? Is that Anthony yes. Cuomo's brother? Like, the stuff uh, yeah. that he's been saying is really interesting, just, you know, about, you know, kind of taking a look at what he does for living. It's just, it's just what, and look, we're sports journalists. We've always talked about, we you know, we wouldn't want to do the job that some of these people have to do, which is, you know, cover murders and, uh, you know, shootings and interview people when their houses have been leveled by tornadoes and stuff like that. That's just not not why, you know, I wanted to do this type of work. I mean, uh, so, yeah, I mean, but all of this stuff to me is, is really interesting. And, and just the Eddie and I have both been very vocal about this, just having to be first to write the story. That, that is just like, well, God, you're not going to get this until, you know, July now, or you're not going to get this. It's probably not going to happen at all or, you know, whatever. It's just, I've been saying the whole time, just sit back. Let's see how this goes. We're still in the middle and in, the, in the, the key grip of this thing. But for Fauci to come out and say what he said, I, I think that's the most hopeful thing that anyone said in any position of power uh, throughout this pandemic that makes you say, okay, you know, maybe this can happen. Maybe, maybe this is, this is doable. And I yeah. think that's all I mean, something I would, we would I, accept, I, isn't it? No crowds. Like those, are those are players. terms we can live with. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the players, obviously they have to live in, in that quarantined world, but during the season, is that really that far from reality? Well, here's what I'm wondering too. Like, 
and I would I would totally I think Eddie and I would both be down for this. I know Bob and Josh would want no part of this, but like I would be willing to be quarantined for four months to cover a, a, a football team. Like and to be tested, made sure like, you know, we don't have it as long as, you know, we could cover the team and give people what they wanted. And I think most people at the Oklahoma and the Tulsa world, like they I think people would accept that. Yep. There's no way they let I, me yeah. anywhere near it. It's it's very intriguing to me, just kind of, and we've obviously, we've had a lot of time, and I think that you saw that with what, kind of what Chris Cuomo said. Uh, I really liked what he what he had to say in that, that minute and a half, two-minute clip that I've seen on the internet, uh, just as far as kind of, I think for a lot of people, this has been like a look-in-the-mirror moment, and uh, specifically for people that, uh, you know, are, I guess, isolated or single or sick or having to, quarantine by themselves uh you know i i think you, you look at the mental health and stuff like that and uh it is very interesting to look at but i also think that it's interesting from our perspective of what we do for a living that uh, you know if the season is basically cut into no fans are available we become kind of the the real conduit between the team and the fans like it, i i think it'd be fascinating to see how things for us change as far as coverage uh, and you know, I, it, it's very, uh, you can get lost, I guess, uh, thinking about that kind of stuff and, you know, what's to come over the next five months, just because of the, the fact that, you know, again, we've said multiple times now, we just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Somebody asked me about what was going to happen with football. And like, I, I, I literally couldn't tell you any idea what's going to happen just for the fact that. We don't know what's going to happen in the next seven days, let alone the next five months. I don't think I want to know what living in a hotel with Eddie for four months would look like <laughs> after four months. Like the amount Shit. of beer cans <laughs> that would be stacked up in the corner of that room, it would be unbelievable. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to decide which of you would drive each other give us crazy a good one. first. Carrie, we've lived, we lived together for basically a month when we went on those uh, bowl trips slash yeah. U.S. Army games. Oh, no, I, you didn't hear me say we would kill each other. Like, we would get along. We would we would thrive as roommates, you know, for a four-month period in a hotel room. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, the the I get to see Eddie's trips to the, grocery, or the uh, convenience store, and then the beers come, and then they're gone. But, like, over a four-month period, it's going to be a lot of beer you know, being drank in that time. Yeah, I would think so. I, and I would also hope if we're being uh, quarantined, uh, we can we can possibly figure out a way to get our own rooms. Just maybe. Uh, it's going to be pretty damn expensive to stay in a hotel for four months. Well, in my mind... I don't see a two-room situation. You think hey, the unless the uh, for all of this, my mind. I think so. Unless the Oklahoma Athletic Department's <laughs> coming in on this, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go step, step in on this. This is, this is not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how else you do it, though. I mean, you've got to have, I mean, I guess, can you really do games without media? I mean, do you just let them come in during the week? Uh, but even that, I mean, is going to be kind of sketch. I almost think that if you're going to take it this seriously and you're going to keep players away from the public, you almost have to, you know, if there's any media involved, you have to have a select few of people that are willing to do that and because you don't want to expose them to to people you can't control. I mean, that's the whole purpose of quarantining a team. Yeah. 
Have we all, have all four of us, I, I, I certainly think I count myself in this group, but have all three of you basically reserved to the fact that we're going to get sports at some point, but the thought of fans being able to watch in the stadium, probably, I, I, I see no way that that can happen at any point yeah, I think in people, 2020, as of what we know right. on April 15th. I think people that, have that, to reserve themselves to that fact. Like, <laughs> if you've got season tickets, you're going to get a refund, but you're not going to be able to watch your team in, in, in person. Are we intentionally not saying resign, or are we just going to reserve for fun? Well, I thought Resign that. yourself. <laughs> I Everybody keeps saying reserve yourself. Look, I, I woke up five minutes before this podcast, okay? I don't... Got, hey, it's, dude, I was falling asleep in Lainey's bed reading her a bedtime story. I waited. They waited extremely long to go down for nap. <laughs> Dad problems. Hashtag. Yep. She, hey, she's doing her homework on her on her uh, iPad right now. Came in to show me the hard work she's doing. So, I don't know if you heard the high five, but it was exchanged. Nice, nice. So, yep. I heard a uh, slap is what I, I. I don't know. Well, Eddie, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not above. You know, we call it tough love here, but uh, you know, whatever gets the homework done. Texas Department of. <laughs> Child <laughs> you think there's legitimate worry that if there's no fans in the stands and they get through a season that people will actually enjoy it more watching it from from home or you think I wondered about they'll be too. missing out and that attendance will actually spike back up I mean let's let's not to. act like people haven't ever missed a game and had to watch it from home I mean come on like I saw that like ADs are concerned that fans will get too used to like do they really think that every fan has made every game since you know 1988 like you know what it's like to stay at home and watch a game or not go on a road game you know I mean yeah. I just think Carrie, that's I, ridiculous. Are you, the, are you referencing the uh, the tweet from Bruce Feldman this morning? Yes, uh huh. And I'm not shitting on Bruce I mean, Feldman. Don't, I would have to think that those people that are going to make that type of decision, I mean, let's be honest, guys. If we live in the world in 2020, I I don't think that those people are going to just all of a sudden realize. Like, I think the people that are already staying home made that decision a long time ago that they're just not going yeah. to mess with the game day atmosphere. Like that wouldn't be, I would love to know what AD that was from. Like, I think there's two ways to look at it and you either have to look at it through the uh, perspective of a power five conference and particularly a program like Oklahoma, or you look at it through the lens of those G5 programs that were kind of the subject of the Pete Thamel article yesterday, which I thought was really fascinating uh, as far as kind of the trickle-down effect that's going to uh, possibly happen or has already started to happen uh, in those mid-tier ranks. I, you know, I, if I, I told you guys yesterday, if I was the, uh, you know, just for instance, the golf coach at Toledo or Miami of Ohio or something like that, I would be, I would have a hard time living right now uh, just with or kind of the unknown of what's going to happen. Any wrestling coach across the country right now, like... No doubt. And I still... <laughs> Was it uh, St. Edwards out of Austin? I think they're a D three school. They they cut six programs today. Uh, both both tennis teams, both golf programs, uh, maybe track and something else. I want to say, but like those smaller schools, like S the SNU's of the world, uh, up in Bethany, Oklahoma. I I don't know. 
I, they might have a very tough time surviving in this climate. Well, the thing that you're seeing is you're seeing all these teams like begging for relief from uh, Division One status rules uh, because let's face it, there's a lot of lot of schools out there that some barely meet the requirements to stay Division One, others don't, and then they have to get a waiver to go year to year like they're on probation. So I there there's a lot of fat trimming that could go on in college sports, and I, I think you look at it, it, it like this forces people to just say, yeah, we're pretty much just about playing football and and maybe a little basketball. Like our mission really isn't to provide scholarships for those who are going to go pro in another sport. Like. Our mission is to make enough damn money we can keep the lights on and every, and our coaches could be making five million a year and our AD can be making a million a year. Like it's forcing people to actually admit what they really are right now. So the thing I keep coming back to, and I think it really is going to be um, prevalent for Eddie. Um, at what point do some Oklahoma salary, you know, they start looking at some of their coaches' salaries? Oh, it's coming. I mean, it's, it's I mean, already in the works. I, I mean, uh, I don't it, mean the funny. football coaches. Uh, it, you, it's oh, funny you I, say that, no, Josh, okay. because see the you, you saw what happened with Cincinnati yesterday, and uh-huh. some people are saying they've been looking at uh, the men's program and cutting it for a long time. Uh, I, I bet you could find a couple places around the Lloyd Noble Center that need some trimming up to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say there's no reason, there's no way that Sherry Cole can survive this. There's just no way. It's no kind of way. Like, salary cut. She can't I think say it gives pay. OU the perfect excuse. Yeah. Say, like, even if they want to live with keeping her because of all that she's done. If you want to stay here, you make half exactly. of what you made now. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Really less than half because she's making a little over I would, one. I think say, I would say like a quarter and then hope she doesn't, you know, and be like, eh, she didn't want to keep it. So we I have mean, to move on. And all this stuff about, you know, all this, 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 this these, um, you know, inches that women have made in terms of women's coaches. Like, it's just like the WNBA is subsidized by the NBA, and it's like you use this whole, you know, Title IX university, you know, utopia kind of uh, 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 philosophy or, or whatever to say, well, women need to be paid on an equal basis. It sends such a terrible message to the, the community at large. Uh, no, the message is, you should be paid what you deserve to be paid and what your program can actually sustain. And it's not just Oklahoma, but I would say the majority of women's basketball teams are paying their coaches more than they'll ever bring in. It, regardless of you, if you're Baylor, if you're UConn, your coaches are making so much money that it's a losing money proposition. I would think that's – I would be interested in UConn. I wonder if they can support what they pay REMA. Like, I, I, I don't know what There's he gets no paid. There's no way. But, I wouldn't I mean, think. it's rabid there, though. I mean, like, they, I mean, like they have routinely six, 7,000 people coming to games. But just like the WNBA, you're not charging what you're charging sure, fans to go to Kentucky games or Kansas games on the men's yeah. side. It's a good point. It's do a good you, point. I hadn't thought of do that. Do you but. think we'll see massive – wholesale changes in the in the NCAA like the the idea of traveling more regionally makes a whole lot of sense to me from a competitive side in minor sports absolutely no yeah I mean that's that was was that wasn't that one of the Thamel things in his article about yeah. 
you know, trying to find some alliances with the lesser sports so you don't have uh, a tennis team flying from, you know, Oklahoma to West Virginia for a, a weekend. I mean, I mean, you look at, like, it, I don't understand it because other sports like rowing, like, have you ever seen what the Big 12 looks like in rowing? Like, North Dakota State competes in the Big 12 Wrestling Championships. I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's like, yep. Den- yeah, Denver, University gymnastics. Of Denver. Yeah, there's yep. all sorts mm-hmm. of weird, weird affiliations. Yeah, so I mean, it, it wouldn't be that abnormal if you're if abnormal if you're. I just eddied myself there. Uh, <laughs> abnormal if you're in athletics to to say, yeah, we have to change. You know, who our opponents are, who our conference is for tennis or uh, soccer or whatever. Hell, even women's no. basketball. Yeah, I, I I think you would say, okay, we know we can at least break even at worst on men's basketball, and obviously college football is a huge moneymaker. Those can operate as normally. And then, you know, Oklahoma's schedule in men's tennis might be UCO and Oklahoma and, you know, Oklahoma State, you know, whatever. I mean, whatever is regional and, and feasible. But this is where the NCAAs put themselves. I mean, they're the ones that have done this to themselves by trying to treat every other sport like it's not responsible for uh, its own revenue stream. And, and just allowing so much money has been coming in from football, it's allowed them to subsidize these other sports. And that's just been the way they've gotten used to doing business. And now you're sitting there saying, you know, this is happening, this pandemic's happening, and you have to ask yourself, Oh God! What if we don't have football revenue? Your whole system is so screwed up that you have to look at changing things on a, a, a systematic level across the board, across the country now, to finally figure this thing out to where you're running it, you know, and it can sustain itself. You know, yeah. and some of that is on them, but I mean, isn't some of that just Title Nine? I mean, like some of it was their hand was forced a little bit. Sure, yeah. But I mean, you don't, <laughs> you you still have grossly uh, overstepped. You know what is reality? Oh, sure. I mean, when it comes sure. to subsidi- subsidizing all these other sports to a, a almost a gross level, just to admit, it, really, it's not as much Title Nine, Josh, in my mind, as it is covering up you know that this is you know covering up amateurism or making it look like amateurism is uh you know is really what's going on here oh we've talked about it in the pod for a while guys like the idea that that college sports are and especially at the levels of college basketball or men's college basketball and football are amateur events is just ridiculous i mean there's far far too much money to even try to make that claim well, and that's why if they do get them back on campus, and obviously it's not going to happen. I think it's pretty clear with anything that was said today in those meetings with uh, Vice President Pence and the uh, College Football Management Committee that, you know, no, if, the, if, if school isn't in session, yeah. they're not going to be able to play college football. But if it did happen and they were able to figure that out, can you imagine how much of a uh, – and I, I don't know if it would be a shift, but – can you can you imagine just how much that would help the argument for the uh, name image likeness? Like that would they wouldn't even need to go to court in my opinion if they did that. 
I just hope that Joe C. gets the names of all these idiots that are gathering and protesting today uh, and removes them from the season ticket list. Because these That's a great idea. These f- are going to be the ones that spread this thing. Guys, when we're just trying to get back to idea. football. I want to say this as an Oklahoman. Like, I know I live in Texas and everybody listening knows that. But I want to uh, – this is what happens – when you let your state become embarrassingly bad in school funding, like th- th- these are the uneducated masses that run out of the, the, I mean, I don't know. I don't know this one dude's uh, got a really nice challenger that's there. Yeah. Okay. That is almost the <laughs> official car as in my <laughs> of era. The like, idiot. <laughs> really? Yeah, the, like the, the Dodge challenger the, is the official vehicle of the idiot. It's up there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do. There's Keanu this Reeves one lady that seems to be putting a sign on the back of her dually, her F nine fifty, by the way, which you drive, Josh, uh, that says, "I can't wipe with Kindle." That's really weird. What? She's a big girl yeah, too. Is she talking about the the reading Kindle? Is that because because it's a because it's not paper? Yeah, she, I don't. It makes wipe with no books? sense. It looks like she's spelling it K I N D. Oh, there. I guess that's an E. Mm-hmm. If it's, I think Kindle is K I N D L E, isn't it? The, yeah, that's what how this yes. is spelled. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Okay. So she was. She is upset that she cannot wipe her ass with her book. I think she's. It's a double evil. protest. Maybe we're not giving her enough credit. It's a double pro- protest against Amazon. Oh, maybe. Okay. Sure. Well, the, it was originally Bezos. announced as it was going to be an auto show rally. Which I always have found to be code for Ku Klux Klan meetings. <laughs> well, that would explain the Challenger being there. Yeah, which is even more funny that the Dodge Challenger is uh, the face of Alabama football and the get the work back to work program in Oklahoma. I'm surprised that this flyer doesn't have a "Don't Tread on Me" flag on it because that's really who these people are. Like that's the whole. A lot of these same people were the ones that were flying the Confederate flags when Obama came to. There's got to be some correlation there. It's just that whole, you know, they just slowly strip away all your rights until you look up and you have none. Like it's like nobody's nobody's stripping away your rights. I mean, you're you're free to take you and your family to Home Depot and have a have a ball on the weekends because people are doing that. Like it's like no one is restricting you from doing any. We have the most loose. It's not even a, a it's not even a shelter in place. It's a stay at home if you want to, and you're not elderly and infirmed. Order the McQuistians moved this weekend. Let's just just be real about this. And then sold our home, had to go to a meeting, took our children with us because we had no one else to take care of them. It was uh, it was, it was a shit show. So, yeah, they're like. There's, I, here's I just, a nice one. Know. This one has a fake news crossed out in its windshield. Like, Oh, here we go. All right, we're, we're deviating closely to politics, and I don't want to ban everybody here. I don't want to do that. So let's just, you know, let's, let's be careful well, of where we walk. Maybe we'll ban you, and we'll just take it over. And we'll oh, do oh we will you, sir? I can have all the buttons and the recording gear here. <laughs> I learned that this week, that if, unless you're in charge of the buttons, you really have no control. I got kicked off no my power. own morning show for a while this morning, or yesterday. 
You've been on a roll. Mm, it was his fault. Of course it was. Of course it was, buddy. I, I, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. I hear that argument a lot. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I mean, her in their case, but sure. Yeah, I don't know where we left off or where we were going, but um, yeah, I, I think I just made a crack about these are the people that these are the people are the reason that you can't sit in the stands this well, year. Well, Gabe Biker just tweeted that too. Oh, did he? <laughs> yes, he did. He he showed there's a I guess a picture of the view from the KJ 103 studio. Oh it's boy. Got all, are they live? There. Is this live feed? Is this like a police chase on TV right now? I'm not sure. It should it be. Like, it absolutely it's should like an be. Aerial shot for sure. Oh, I because they they probably went early. I think Stitter's supposed to have a press conference at three. This is oh, say how much guys, I hope you're talking about just the picture sticks. on Twitter. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was. Oh, okay. I got. You. I just flipped yeah, on no, TV to see. Yeah, no, it was somebody that just took were... a picture from the studio across the street into the parking lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, nobody's nobody's going wall to wall live coverage on this thing. We got let's yeah, make I a deal on Channel Nine. Stop on TV. Yeah, but no, I mean, I think you you mentioned it earlier. I think people out there listening and not protesting right now. I think you have to prepare yourself. And this is where I think we are today because of uh, you know what Fauci had to say. And, and like I said, who knows about California and how much of a wrinkle they're going to put into it. But prepare yourself if you don't already realize this, but you're not going to be able to watch football in person this year. You're, you're probably you're not going to be able to travel to away games. I mean, you're just not. Yeah. But I think you and will I, have football. And for that, it will be interesting, but it's a hell of a better trade-off than uh, them and in a month and a half. Hey, guess what? There's no college football this year. You have no sports for 2020. Like, I think everybody would agree with that. And I also think it is, it's not dependent on someone, like, having a vaccine is not going to be the key, I don't think, to playing or not playing. But then again, I mean, you're, you're probably going to have like that's that is if golf comes back, if Major League Baseball comes back, and you don't start having teams, like if teams come back for golf and baseball, and like coronavirus starts spreading within the players, that's going to screw everybody. That'll screw your football season up. No. Because Rudy Gobert set this thing in motion, and if the Rudy Gobert thing happens all over again, we're all screwed. Are they going to be teaching like Rudy Gobert Donovan in like Mitchell history books? I'm sorry, you two were talking at the same time. <laughs> I was like, we all think it's Gobert. What if it was Donovan Mitchell that actually started it and he gave it to Rudy? No, I think Donovan Mitchell well, was so pissed. I saw. There's no yeah, way. I saw comments from Mitchell that was like, uh, "No, I was pretty mad at him for a couple of days," and then you know, one time it was. I would imagine you know, that Rudy okay Gobert did something different. equally as stupid as when he, you know wipe down all the microphones and, and recorders. He probably did some equally stupid stuff in their locker room. Maybe Rudy Gobert. Maybe that's all we have to do is contain Rudy Gobert. He started all of this in America. And now that he's contained and better and asymptomatic, then we're all fine. Well, no, Eddie, Eddie remembers this. Rudy Gobert's a hero. He's the hero that saved us all. 
Remember that that, yeah, uh, that columnist in Utah that tried to write that story? Yeah, he's a hero, but not as big of a hero as the San Francisco 49ers are. They say <laughs> oh, my God. City. Go Niners. Saved an entire population. Kansas City had a pretty big parade, and not that's, that isn't the epicenter of the coronavirus. So I don't understand that thinking in, out in San Francisco. People have just either side, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but no matter where your political affiliation is, people have lost it on both sides. Oh, yeah. And it's it's comical in a way, but it's also really sad. So it, it it's it's really just... It's a f***ed up situation. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Uh, thank God for a little bit of recruiting here and there because I don't know what I would do without uh, at least some type of, uh, I guess, escape. You know, and, and we've got a roundtable coming uh, where some of this, we're going to talk about some of this stuff. But it is notable that this Saturday was going to be the spring game if we lived in an alternate universe where coronavirus never happened. Which is amazing to think about because you know, we had a first couple of press conferences. We actually had a media day with Alex Grinch setting setting the scene for everything that was going to happen with his defense. Even though I think we knew when we were talking to Alex Grinch, was that that would have been the the day before Rudy Gobert, right? That that would have yes. been a Tuesday. Yep. Mm-hmm. I and, yep. and like when we had the press conference with Lincoln Riley, like everybody was further back than normal. And we were all kind of like, oh, it's the coronavirus press conference setup, right? And I even said that to Lincoln, and he kind of chuckled. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't like we were being insensitive dicks or anything, but it was just you – I remember I'm, – I'm just saying that because we knew something was brewing and, like, this was becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And I think, you know, Tuesday we knew kind of like, okay, well, we talked well, – at least we talked to Alex Grinch and – because it was supposed to be just players on Thursday. And I remember thinking, like, as we were leaving, they're like, well, you know, they probably want to keep the players away from us because that's who you really worry about. And then the Gobert thing happened, and then everything shut down immediately. So, like, that's been almost, what, five weeks ago now since that happened? I mean, to think we we were supposed to go through an entire spring session. Like, today or tomorrow would have been – uh, the last probably media availability we had, and then we would have had the spring game. It's just amazing and ridiculous and kind of sad that this is where we are, that the spring game finale was supposed to be this weekend. Yeah, well, it's insane. You know. And if, if uh, they would have uh, done it, this, the schedule differently, what, what if we had photo and video for that first day of practice we actually we would have had our 15 minutes would have been a game changer for the site (laughs) (laughs) it would would have meant a lot we wouldn't need any government stimulus package if that were the case to see what some of these guys look like you know how much a lot of people care about that stuff you say that i would have shane witter reaching for his toes What did you say, Eddie? I'm sorry. Say that again. I said I would have loved to have had some uh, spring football B-roll. That would have been fantastic from a video side. It would have been like, uh, you know, finding a, a Honus Wagner card in your grandma's chest or something. It would have been, it would have been rare and valuable. 
I had I, I okay would wow okay like a chest of drawers okay like what you think I meant like I, her I, boobs I'm with that's what I the, I would swear I was too I was like wait what's happened and then, I, then so you were the only one there you I, I wasn't there I was saying it you you're like oh that's where I was too no you were the only one there thinking about grandma's boobs Eddie was Eddie said boobs he was he was concerned no I said boobs that was me mm. not good. Well, we know what kind of porn know. Josh looks at when his wife goes to bed. <laughs> He's a gilf man. Hey, you know, I, I've already been shamed for slut shaming my wife apparently last weekend, last week, which I had nothing to do with. I did not do that. We're not breaking this up. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Tiffany, if you're listening, honey, you were ve- you were very virtuous. How many wives can carry her like piss to- off in one? month <laughs> well you don't have to worry about no. mine <laughs> are, you, are you just bending over and just saying here kick me eddie you know i we that should be uh we should do a whole pod on what eddie's future wife will what, what she's like where she is right now in the world i think like, we I, might have that's we'll, that's we'll gonna be canceled, a person we can do a bachelorette sooner scoop <laughs> Ooh. Featuring on Zoom, featuring Lauren Chamberlain. Um, I mean, we can have whoever, but I, my only request is, is that Dean Blevins is the Chris Harrison. <laughs> uh, Wait, um, why? Is, I, yeah, I, the I first question is why. I think it'd be fun, Eddie. I, I want to speak on behalf of everybody on the Crimson Corner, Lauren. Shoot or shoot, and Lauren Chamberlain shot, and you know I'm I'm just saying we're we're all yeah. And where waiting. is this Zoom? I mean, come on, big boy, let's go. Yeah, that's a good I mean, question. We'll have to set right. up some type of uh, studio in my apartment, I guess. <laughs> I'll start on some construction. Hey, if Kramer can get Merv Griffin's uh, studio inside his apartment, we can fit a uh, bachelor studio inside of this one. <laughs> Well, Kramer found that in the trash. I know, and that's why mine's going to be even better, because I'm going to make it. I'm going to... You know who else was a carpenter, Carrie? Jesus oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She was the son of a carpenter. Well, to each their own. <laughs> it was well, just mean, Easter, days, you heathen you bastard. <laughs> Easter was canceled in my, uh, in my neck of the woods. You didn't go to online Catholic church? No, I slept till noon. Hmm. I mean, you know, if this was, you know, the those times, Laney would be turn, learning to, you know, call high school boys and cuss into a microphone in the privacy of her own home. So, You're a couple of years away from uh, Laney probably running around with the TikTok and uh, doing yeah. all that kind of stuff. I guess by then there will be something different. But you know what I have been Eddie, doing I'm is gonna... a lot of – a lot of hangouts. You guys heard of that or messed with it any? Uh, I have one scheduled for Friday. Yeah, but I haven't done uh, one officially it's yet. Like Zoom, same thing, same difference. Yeah. It's, it's actually pretty yep. crazy how, uh, I mean, literally the country is being, uh, I guess, kind of everybody's hanging out on these apps. It's just, it's wild. Do you enjoy that? I mean, do you find it fun? 
better than just sitting alone and not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, like I don't it. know. I, 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 yeah, I do enjoy it actually. I, it's, it's not like I don't, you know, it, it can't replace sitting around at a bar or something, but it is, it's kind of fun. Josh, do you and your wife like do you do like couples zooms parties and well, stuff it, like that? Well, say like the last three or four weeks, my buddies, um, we've been doing Zoom chats. And then uh, a couple of weekends ago, all the kind of girls in the group started doing one. And Tiffany went to bed too early the first night because, as I have talked about, Tiffany is a early-to-bed kind of girl. So um, because she is so virtuous. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm trying to clear everybody's name here, Carrie, okay? We're, I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything <laughs> about anybody. That's right. right. You sit over there in silence, sir, in your cone of shame. <laughs> um, but – the last week, so we were we had just found out we were going to close on our house that we sold. We ended up selling it earlier this week, um, but we both proceeded to get fairly drunk during the middle of these Zoom chats. She ended up finding me on the couch like asleep at like three thirty in the morning because I had stayed up till God. I don't even know when I got done with the Zoom chat. I just wasn't part of it anymore. So I had a I had a really good time celebrating the house sale and. Um, zoom chatting with my buddies from all over the country so that was a that was an enjoyable time i'm afraid of uh the thing i'm afraid of is the zoom chat because i have a certain friend um who is most likely to just put up gay porn as his background for the entire time because he thinks that's funny there's a lot of that in ours (laughs) <laughs> a lot of that a lot of that um it's just yeah it's just it's just enough all right the 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 and i i have to take some credit for it um well not credit for it but you know I'll, I'll own my blame yes uh a personal favorite is because the zoom pictures are the way they close in on something um you can show a picture and they're like, you know, they might think it's a female and then you kind of expand on it and realize that's not actually a female. So those are, those are very fun for touching. Me. Hmm. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Yes. That, though, that is enjoyable. That's a good time. Um, yeah. Do you have I, I've a learned a lot of tricks. Do you have a custom the, zoom background? This, you have to move. No, I'll, I mean, Bob, I'm involved enough. I'm using like my photo editor to move the photo around accordingly to, uh, before I upload it again so I can change it to what I want. Um, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a shithead move. It's a, it's a really jerk thing to do in this time of uh, a pandemic. But the, um, the thing that's truly scary is each Friday, Lainey has a zoom chat with her class. And so like, I turn it on, I'm like, shit, 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 shit. I've got my background. (laughs) (laughs) You've got, I got my joke gay porn background. I got to get rid of that. Like, and I won't even leave it normal because I'm like, nope, I'm uploading some picture. Like, like last week was like a family picture of Lainey and her teacher immediately is like, oh, look, that's, that's, you know, that's really great picture of the family. And I'm like, I did that just to make sure that nothing could be left there. There could be no remnant of problems. So, so when you say uh, a lot, a lot of your friends, uh, uh, play jokes on each other by putting gay porn in the background, it's mm -hmm. you that puts gay porn in the background. That's what oh, I'm it's all of us. Make mm-hmm. make no mistake. It is it is a lot of um, there's a lot of immaturity in that group. I'm just, and I several of them listen to the pod, so they are laughing really hard somewhere <laughs> at the right at the moment. But uh, yeah, they they will, and I guarantee this will only up the game because I'm sure we'll do it again. Oh Friday, my god! So. Yeah, I'm afraid. It's not good. Everyone's yeah. Zoom just got worse because of what we just yeah. discussed. 
I, but, I, I've just lowered the bar. All right, by the way, uh, we talked about, you know, it was going to be spring game. It was going to be a huge recruiting weekend. And that's kind of some of the stuff that we're going to cover in the roundtable this week. But I uh, let's just talk about it. Uh, Recruiting-wise, you know, a lot of, again, coaches at home doing what they can do, offers here and there. Uh, but how much of this weekend, uh, not just missing spring and missing the spring game, but uh, how different would life be this Sunday compared to what it's going to be because of the loss of the spring game and the Baker, you know, make, make Baker Mayfield statue reveal and, uh, you know, kids coming. I mean, would this have been the weekend where, you know, you could see somebody like a Caleb Williams, if he was going to commit to OU, he would have made it this weekend and he would have tried to put pressure on other players to commit and, and make kind of a snowball effect out of, I mean, would, would this have, is Lincoln Riley missing out on the big snowball weekend that, that probably would have happened, do you think? I definitely think so. I mean, Bob can absolutely weigh in, but that that was my feeling is that that was the plan. I, I don't even know if it had come to, you know, where Lincoln's sitting down and having that conversation with Caleb Williams. Okay, we want you to do this. You know, you're going to tweet it out when you land, and we're going to do this and this to make a bigger deal of it and make sure, and then we're immediately going to get you around Mario Williams and whoever else was going to be in that weekend to really try and sell the whole thing. But I do think that was what Oklahoma was hoping would kind of start to take place. But, you know, it just it's never going to happen that way. And that's the question to me. I know Bob's talked a lot about how long can you let Caleb just kind of go on as uncommitted and hope that means something and hope you can help that sell to other recruits. To me, it's as much about, guys, I don't know how, like, when what are you waiting on? And if so... When do you think that's all going to be better? I mean, you, everybody's telling you there's not going to be any huge group meetings for a long time. At some point, you're going to have to accept that you're just going to have to do this. And frankly, guys, I think this is the perfect time to commit because what other news is there in the sports world? You're going to get the – I mean, you're going to be headline news on maybe Sports Center if you're a big enough guy because there's nothing else to talk about. Exactly. That's why it's, uh, I mean, I've talked about the last two, two weeks, but it's not stopping these other schools. Heck, right, right before we went on, our favorite defensive end from the state of Florida, Tunmis, ended up picking. Tunmise Adelier. I got you, Bob. <laughs> he ended up picking the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes have had no trouble picking up one big time commitment after another during the, the, the last month. I mean, there's no reason why OU shouldn't be at least trying to push to do the same. I mean, I get that these kids probably had their own sort of plan, but with the way it's set up, there won't be a champion barbecue. There's not going to be anything that happens before the season. So all this stuff that you had planned that you wanted to go down, it's not going to happen like that, but this class has got to start rolling. And there, we know there's so much that's going to go down. They've got so much stuff cooking a lot is all positive and people are going to be so excited, but the longer you wait, the, the more you start to wonder, you know, how can you keep building off of that? If you wait too long, will you get that bump that you would expect? Because that's what we're seeing from other schools. Mention the Buckeyes, but you had to see what Penn, what uh, Penn state has done in the last week. It, it's like, there's no reason to not get this ball rolling 
especially with certain kids, and that we know for sure there's two eyes still out there. What are you waiting for? Ton Meese, that's all I'm, you know, <laughs> I don't care how to say it. I never had to learn it. Never had to learn it. And Josh, you can't even think you, about you. you. You can't chide me for it. No, I hey, it, it's fine. Like I mean, honestly, this will be the last time he probably ever gets discussed in this podcast. <laughs> Don't you think fine. he'll? Did you really think that that's where it's going to end? Though I mean, like, isn't it likely? Because all these schools and people have asked us about this, and you know, it's like, are any of these commitments? I mean, are they le- less legitimate than they've ever been? Could you see more schools just kind of pulling the, like, oh, we really don't have room for you when this is all said and done just because of the climate? Because everybody's offering everybody so they don't miss out because no one can do in-person evaluations. Nobody can get kids yeah. on campus. It just seems like we're living in a world of recruiting right now where you can't really believe anything or can't really place a whole lot of value in decisions that are made right now. Well, if they I, don't change the recruiting calendar, then I, I think you can still rely on things. But if, if, cause if there's still early signing day in December and nothing gets open until August, I mean, that's just going to be a mad rush. And these kids aren't going to have all, all the time in the world to go to the schools that they want to see. And the schools aren't going to be able to, pick and choose because they're going to be planning for an abbreviated or whatever kind of season that that they're going through they're not really going to have the time to go through the in-depth recruiting process but i'll be curious to see is if this drags into august or september do they do away with the early period for this year because of the fact that no one could go about their business in the usual way evaluating for the coaches making visits for their recruits and it would just seem like you're kind of forcing them all into time trying to make a decision when they didn't have the resources, the information to do it the way that it needs to be done. But I think, look, I think once kids can start going to campuses, that a lot of these kids are going to be looking at it like, well, you know, I committed before I could really go anywhere. And so when things open back up and kids can start start taking visits, I'm not saying just to the coaches – but I think the players, too, like, I think they're just going to, at some point, they're going to be like, well, I committed at a different time. The world was closed off, and I couldn't really look at all this stuff. And now that I can get out and meet these coaches, and 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 who knows? I mean, maybe some of the, the coaches right now are being lazy, and then they're going to start putting the full court press. I mean, there's so many variables out there where I almost think that none of this, well, not none of it, but a lot of it won't really matter from what we're seeing right now. What is Ohio State doing right now that everybody else isn't? That's, I seriously like they are recruiting at a much different level than everybody else. Is it just the the flat out obvious that they can offer something that uh, you know simply put other schools can't right now, and that's the track record of putting a bunch of guys in the league? Yeah, I mean they're going to yeah, have I mean, what two two of the top three picks in the draft next uh, next week. I mean, you know that's that's not going to hurt. And I feel maybe they're willing to accept the commitment instead of like waiting around for a special moment. I mean, these kids are saying, "I want to commit," and said, so, "Yeah, do it. Get go go ahead." You know, we don't have to make a big deal about it. You doing it is enough of a deal that it's it's going to stand out. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at it. I mean, look at the positions that they are getting commitments at. I mean, defensive end, Miche. Uh, I mean, is there anybody even close to them in the way they're producing elite defensive ends right now? I mean, and I like Tamisha. He's not on that level. I mean, Chase Young and the Bosa brothers are just absurd talents. Um, but, you know, then you look at some of the other guys they've got, and they've got some DBs. Obviously, they've got the two big running backs. But I don't, you know, and people are like, well, that negates the whole thing. I don't think there's a premier program in the country that was more – I don't know, just lacking the players they needed than at running back at Ohio State. I mean, they really had not landed. I mean, last year, B. John Robinson really hurt them not getting him because he was supposed to be the guy. I think he would have been a clear-cut day-one starter for them. So that that really kind of changed the, the story and the narrative a little bit there. But, yeah, I mean, I don't – you know, I've talked to a few people, Eddie, kind of like, what what's going on here? And I don't think it's anything special, honestly – it feels like Ohio State was, right before the whole thing started, was right about to land in a bunch of guys. They were about to reel them in. They were probably a few weeks ahead of where OU was because we felt like OU was building momentum similarly. And they were close enough to the finish line that a few guys jumped on. Well, then everybody, you know, like we were talking about, everybody sees these guys committing. It's so, it's so big and bold because it's one of the few news stories out there right now when you see, you know, um, Evan Pryor commit. You see Travion Henderson. You see Adelier. You see all these guys are reeling in. So there's just automatically there's all these eyeballs, and then it just kind of you know builds on itself. And these players say, "Oh, I want to go play with that guy because he's going there." It's kind of on a smaller scale. It's not different from North Carolina. North Carolina's reeled in a bunch of guys that are really really good players and look like they could be closing in on a few more because they're one of the few schools that's actually landing commitments right now. So, you know, for Oklahoma, you know, like Bob said, uh, if you could get a commitment, why not do that right now? Um, you know, Lincoln Riley's had a few eyeballs out there, but it hasn't been just a, you know, a, a there's there hasn't been a string of public commitments. And, you know, some guys that you think, like Latrell McCutcheon that might be in the mix, he releases a top ten. Makes you wonder how close that you know is and things like that. So, I guess a lot of fans are saying, "What is it that Ohio State's doing that Oklahoma's not doing?" You know, I will say, you know, people got so wound up about the top ten, and I don't get me wrong, it was a weird step. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but I will say, literally, I think it was two days ago, Tevin Williams from Stillwater puts out his top five. Today, he committed to Baylor. Like, Baylor was in that top five, and then he was like, eh, you know what, I know what I want to do. So it doesn't always, like, I, I think guys, they don't know what else to do. I mean, it's just like we talked about last week with the coaches, having all this time to recruit and watch tape and all these other things when they have so few other distractions in their lives because there's no team meetings, there's no practices, there's nothing else to absorb their energy, so they're focused on recruiting. Well, these players are the same way. They can't do workouts. They can't, they've got all this time on their hands. So I think you're like, well, what could I do today? Oh, I could make a top 10 list. Let me call Hayes Fawcett and he'll do a graphic for me. You know, like, it's not, I don't think it's indicative exactly, kind of like, Kerry, what you were saying earlier, where it's hard to take any of this seriously. I don't think that's exactly where Latrell McCutcheon is in the world right now. But it was something to do to pass the time, and I'm not going to begrudge a 17-year-old. I mean, Lord knows I was doing that kind of crap. 
just nobody cared. Your mom did, I'm sure. Your dad. No, no, they they hated me. That explains a lot of where I'm at. You know? <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, recruiting activity wise, what what has really kind of jumped out at you uh, in the last week, Josh? Well, I, you know, and I, I've got to woke up on the board. Uh, the thing that the and it wasn't really intentional. It just kind of ended up. I ha- ended up having a lot of conversations about Kendall Daniels. Um, and I can't remember how much of that I covered in the pod last week, but I, I spoke with him. We we, I, I got the impression that Clemson has really made a run in his is his story. Um, I think Brent Venables is leading the charge there. And I asked him. I kind of was joking. I was like, "How many times did Brent mention Isaiah Simmons?" I was like, uh, "Tell me, was it more or less than 20? And he was like, "It's about that." And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds right. That's what I would do too if I'm Clemson. You know, that's that's the name I'm going to just hit you over the head with." And Talking to some people, I get the impression that Oklahoma has really, and even you know a little before the Clemson thing, but over the last month to month and a half, has really turned the temperature up on him. This they're making him a priority guy. This is the guy we want, and I think they know that you go and land this guy, and you instantly you beat Alabama, you beat Clemson, you beat LSU. I mean, you beat all these A uh, and M's uh, very actively involved in his recruitment. So, I think. It's going to be very hard for any school to come in and take him away from Oklahoma. He's very close with his mother. Um, he he has familiarity with OU. Really talked to me about he and Brian Odom having a good relationship that's just really long past football. You know, they don't. He's like we don't even talk about football really. It's my you know my family, what his family's doing. You know, we have a, a connection that's better than that. So I, I think that is kind of a good sign of where he is with OU right now but I do I mean he's still talking about taking his five official visits he was going to do them kind of over the spring and summer but now it looks like he's going to push that back and try to work it into the season we'll see how that goes I mean we we don't know how that what that's going to look like I think he's one of those guys that it is an advantage for Oklahoma because he is in state he's most familiar with OU and really it looks like he's going to get one shot to look at any other school he wants to look at and that's going to be tough for anybody to play that much catch up. Josh, you, you mentioned his relationship with Odom and say they don't really talk a lot about football, but did you get a sense that he's okay if he's a linebacker for the Sooners compared to being a safety at some of the other choices? That's a good question. And I, I kind of asked him directly, I said, what are these schools telling you? I mean, they tell you linebacker, they tell you safety. And he was kind of a – you know, they kind of tell me it'll work itself out. You know, like I can start at safety or I can start at linebacker and we can kind of move me around and see see what really fits and see how they want to work me into the defense. But when he talked to Oklahoma, I mean, it was clear that Oklahoma was a little more clear cut that it was going to be linebacker. And I, I won't go so far to say as he saw that as a negative, but he did say that he likes the pitch of, you know, kind of letting himself fit into the defense wherever his – maturation and you know as he gets bigger stronger faster where that fits best put him there i don't think he has a huge preference he just doesn't i maybe want it to be decided before he arrives i'm just seeing this new gabe burkich video (laughs) sorcery i mean i'm still like when i see this stuff and and it's just like it's it's not like it blows my mind because guys do cool stuff like that all the time. 
But he's got to be the most underrated OU football player or or non-celebrated or just, you know, not talked about. Like, the year he had last year was amazing. And, by the way, didn't even start. No. Because of that drunken Scott. That's some shit, isn't it? He didn't miss a field goal. He didn't miss a kick. He made every kick he made last year. That's insane. And now he's a TikTok sensation. Some of that is because Lincoln Riley never let us talk to him. So you you never got to put him out there. You had to talk to everybody else about you Lincoln. That's from Bob. <laughs> say that it's the hot take. Bob has just called out Lincoln. Oh Riley. my God, Lincoln! I don't. Sooner Scoop might have just lost our it's credentials. Time to do it. Yeah, no. Yeah, you know, we only got to talk war. to him after the Big Twelve Championship game against Baylor. But I mean, part of the reason Lincoln always said he didn't want Gabe to be out there and mess with his concentration. I don't know how much what he really meant by that, but. I mean, that, that's the thing. If you don't get to talk to him, it's it's really hard to kind of illustrate what that type of season that he just went through because it was incredible. I just lay claim to Gabe Burkich for the answer to this week's roundtable question. Who would we have been talking about the most coming out of the spring <laughs> game if it happened? It would have been Gabe Burkich. <laughs> so you're so, calling it Gabe I'll... Burkich would be the first kicker to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation <laughs> next season? <laughs> I mean, hey, shortened season, a kicker could have a bigger impact. If he is not on that goddamn uh, Lou Groza Award watch list preseason next year, I am going to raise holy hell. He was 16 of 16. for the award this year, right? Or the semifinalist. Semifinalist. He didn't make the final three, yeah. I'd have to think that it'll be on the preseason. I think if if you attempted a field goal in the year before, you're usually on that preseason list. The, yeah, the way that watch list, list. that list jumped a shark for me when Taylor McNamara was on the Mackey preseason list after catching one ball the year before against Bama. Yeah, but some of that, that you, some of, of that, <laughs> some of that, you just have to be like, okay, well, they had all these other tight ends that you know, like sometimes just reputational. Like you would have thought, like, oh, you would have had a left tackle. On the Outland preseason watch list, just because of all the left tackles before. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't really have a left tackle last year. Which, you know, that would have been. I mean, Stacy Wilkins? That would have been somebody we talked and just probably just obsessed about every time we talked to Bill. Bill Beanbow would probably punch someone in the throat. Because we asked too many Stacy Wilkins questions this spring. Oh, that would have happened. For, and I'd have been like, I, I want to hear more about Stacey Wilkins. He would have assaulted somebody. I'm like, I still need more. <laughs> or just, you know, moving guys around, seeing what happens. I mean, I don't know. It's, it doesn't it seem ridiculous to have a discussion about the football team right now. No. I, I like the break from, like, everybody listening to this, us, as, us that are part of it. We're living this crap every day. Like, it's nice to talk about something that has nothing to do with this. Yeah, it's kind of like yesterday with the whole, well, the playoffs expand and be like, oh, there's a lot more important things going on. Yeah, I get that, but it's a nice diversion for once. 
Now, I'm with you on the constant storylines of what will or won't happen with football in 2020 or can they get it back. Like, we've, like we don't have any answers yet. Just calm down. You know what's, but, what was interesting to me yesterday is, you know, they've started having the jump again and everybody's at a different location, but they kind of figured out how to do it for, for broadcast purposes. So it's back. And they were having the discussion about, I think it was they talked to Jason Tatum. He he zoomed in or whatever, and um, he basically said, "Yeah, I haven't shot a basketball since they canceled or since they postponed the season." Like, and that just kind of goes to show you, like these are NBA professional players, and some of them aren't practicing or staying up with things. Like, it made me think, like, oh God, college football the level of play could really be in trouble. If NBA players aren't shooting basketballs during their break, when they they are definitely most likely to come back. And, and I mean, Boston would be in the playoffs. Like, they would be a, they're a contender. And one of their best players not even taking shots at a, at a basketball hoop. I, I say all four of us send carry. Like, we're, we're going to do this like a silent auction. We're going to send in the name of the OU player that is doing the absolute least in the off, to, off time, we're going to guess, like, who was the laziest turd through this whole time off. What is it? Okay, uh, so nobody has to own it. Like, it's just going to be four names that can that can come in. We should have, like, a miserable list, miserable people list. Like, <laughs> even, though, even though we have no idea whether it's accurate or not, we should just decide to come up with the worst uh, work ethic on the team guy every week. Who we 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 really should we should come up with best and worst week like who had the best week today I mean because there's there's team news being reported out oh there I'm told so you know th- there's got to be guys going well guess what hey. I can tell you that team news it's all about who worked out with margin hooks this week that's probably what that team news is ouch no offense margin margin's a decent dude but, he, he uh, is a good yeah. guy but I'm just saying yeah that's the only way no, no, you can gotcha. get any kind of team news right now. Got you completely. No, um, you know, hey, it's like the motivational speakers tell you on every single motivational speech you've ever heard. You're getting better. Or you're getting worse every day. Which one are you being today, guys? And we can do, we'll do it weekly. We'll judge. Yeah, everyone. we can come up. Eddie would love to come up with like uh, motivational videos and stuff. <laughs> and we could we could Eddie put is a, Eddie is could, a John Gordon would be amazing. We get, I mean, we could get like just just pictures Eddie and play sad music of guys dropping passes and stuff during games. Just break out that B roll. I'm already working on it. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we've given him his. We've created the next monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a really good, funny series, Eddie. I, I'm looking forward to this now. But yeah, we who could, do you have more drop catches of from Eddie, Eddie Miller, or Dahu Green? Like you could, Eddie. What you could do is take the Spencer Rattler stuff of him, like throwing balls behind his back and stuff, and be like, "Are you getting better? Or are you just screwing around? Are you throwing random jump passes in the field?" <laughs> it might be just uh, Monday press conferences of Jalen Hurts just strewn f- together with sad trombone music. <laughs> I Did can... you get to a point? Eddie, can you believe you're at a point where you miss Jalen Hurts press conferences? I, I, I'd rather see the football season canceled than uh, sit <laughs> another Jalen Hurts press conference. 
I, I have to say, I mean, NFL draft, we could touch on that a little bit because that's coming up. Uh, by the time we pod next, that will be getting underway. Um, you still see, you know, a lot of stuff with CeeDee Lamb. Um, a lot of people have kind of tabbed him as a Raiders pick. Um, but, man, the stuff with Jalen Hurts, it's just like, how blessed a life has that guy lived? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to shit on him, but he continues to get the benefit of the doubt no matter what happens in his career. Like, I'm sorry, he's just not a second-round draft pick at his quarterback. And, like, people talk about him like he's a good, you know, a good comparison to Lamar Jackson. He's not. He's not that quick-twitch guy. Like, he is a bull in a china shop compared to Lamar Jackson. It, it, it's taken in the wrong context every time, but I just, I, do, I guess the only way to come out and say it is, is I don't think that his teammates at Oklahoma like the guy. Like, and I think that is, I, I know it was an unprecedented situation and I know it sounds like I'm shitting on him and I guess I am in a way, but I think that says something. I, I don't know what it is, but I think it says something. And I just, I don't know. I, I, he left a bad taste in my mouth. Pause. Wow. That sounded bad, <laughs> but it just, it, I don't know. I have a hard time and it, it's kind of up in a way, but I just have a hard time pulling for the guy. And I, I don't know. I think that's a personal, uh, almost vendetta against the guy. I don't know what it is. And as, as her comparison, has gone up, go ahead, Bob Gallimore has gone completely down. Yeah. Yeah. That's he, a good was, point. Was he that bad? Did he just do that bad, and I just didn't notice it? I think I think the, the the guys that look at Neville Gallimore kind of they don't see it kind of how we see it. Whereas throughout his entire career, like the bad thing about Neville is the less he plays, the more productive he is, and that's a hard sell when you're talking about taking you know someone that important as a first or second round guy, like. I think people probably question why there isn't more on tape with him. And that's, I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's fair or not, Josh, but that's kind of the feeling that I get when people look at Neville Gallimore. Oh, I think that's exactly right. I mean, and I think, you know, guys, I think the thing that you have to think about is we can talk about the great year he had this year, and he absolutely did. But look how, I mean, at times over the, pre, the prior three years, he was non-existent. I mean, he, yeah. he wasn't terrible or anything. He just wasn't – you didn't notice him for any reason. Well, okay, I get that, you know, you can say, oh, Mike Soup's blah, blah, blah. He's playing a two-gap scheme. Well, that's going to take away a lot of potential suitors if he can't make plays in a two-gap scheme. Like, if he can't be useful and functional, which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched enough of the tape to say, oh, definitively he can't do it. But – it's not like OU's defense was playing well and certainly wasn't any good up the middle. Kenneth Murray was a totally different guy this year. So there are there's a lot to say that, okay, maybe there's only certain schemes he can fit into. Well, okay, you've narrowed your field of possible choices there. So I, I think that's part of it. My deal with Jalen Hurts, and I, I, I kind of have to keep coming back to this because I want this out there. I'm hoping this will get onto as many Colts uh, broadcasts as humanly possible because he keeps – getting mocked to the Colts, it's just going to make my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to handle that as a Colts fan because I've never had a guy on the team that I'm like, I don't think I like him. Like, I, I don't. 
think I like him, and I definitely don't want him to be the focal point of my team's you know entire franchise. But what I will say, he reminds me so much of Tim Tebow, and I mean that in his style of play, in his level of athleticism. People keep trying to make the Lamar Jackson comparison. He's much more similar to Tim Tebow than he is uh, Lamar Jackson, who's just a freaky, unbelievably gifted runner. The only runner I've seen like Lamar, is probably Michael Vick and maybe Kyler Murray. Those are the three guys that can run like that. Um, Hertz is a big, powerful running back type of runner. He's not a elusive, going to shake the corner in space kind of guy. That doesn't, that's not how he plays. And I also think Tebow got a lot of notoriety for his leadership and his virtues and all those yeah. things. And I feel like Hertz... It's become about that. And don't get me wrong, I think that gets overlooked some. But you can't just say he's a great leader. It doesn't really matter that he's not a great quarterback. Like, I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I take from, you know, Jalen Hurts' year at Oklahoma is not just that he wasn't Baker or Kyler, but it's hard for me to escape the fact that, you know, he was replaced at Alabama for a reason. Tua was just a lot better quarterback. Just a, I mean, just a much better quarter, and Tua was a much better quarterback in a system that wasn't built around guys like Tua. I mean, it was built around guys like Jalen that were man, that were game managers that just didn't, you know, they didn't ask their quarterbacks to do too much. Like go back to like AJ McCarron. I mean, like even before that, uh, you know, they had quarterbacks that made some, you know, big plays here and there, had great receivers around them. But, you know, you give them – it's not like it's not like a Mike Leach-type system where you have a bunch of average receivers and the quarterback does a great job distributing the football and, you know, puts up big numbers. Like, Tua was a guy that came in and finally allowed Nick Saban to kind of loosen things up and become a throw-it-all-over-the-field offense. And Jalen Hurts – Never was that guy, and it was for a reason. And we saw that reason this year at Oklahoma. I just can't get away from that. They were young, but, I mean, you're talking about him as a, what, I guess that would have been his sophomore year. He's throwing to Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, you know, Devontae, all these great receivers Alabama. And, again, I know they were young. They grew up with Tua. That's fine. But Nick Saban, in the middle of the – Biggest game of the year took his experienced quarterback off the field to place a freshman yeah. with almost no experience on the field. That, that that says something. Like I, 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 it's great that he's a leader and he took it on the chin and he came back. And he tried to compete. Those are all good qualities. Like I respect all of that about him. But that doesn't change that those things, as good as they are, weren't good enough to keep him on the field. That that says something about what's happening on the field. Yeah, and it's I I don't know. I mean, is he a guy that belongs in the NFL? Sure, as a backup. But like you said, if he's on your team, it's going to be a little bit of a circus every time your starting quarterback struggles because everybody's gonna believe like he's some magical answer, like Jalen Hurts is some magical answer. Just like people thought Tim Tebow was some magical answer in Denver. And he did win a big game this- for him, but I mean, he wasn't the the, you know, the long-term answer for anybody in the NFL. 
we talk about it being a copycat league, and that's what this is. Everybody's seen Lamar and remembers, oh, well, Lamar can't play. So every guy that can't throw the ball well is now Lamar Jackson. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. I mean, it's the same deal when, you know, people like, oh, well, Baker Mayfield's only six feet and he works fine. Like, that doesn't mean every six-foot quarterback is okay. That doesn't mean every – not – Kyler Murray's like 5'9". That doesn't mean every good 5'9 quarterback should be a number one overall draft pick. Like, there's an overcorrection that people are like, well, I don't want to be the last one that everybody thinks is stupid. You know, like, it, it just – I, I don't understand how you can watch what you saw on tape and feel like, yeah, that's a guy I want to spend a second-round pick on. Are you saying Mason Fine shouldn't be a first-round pick, Josh? <sighs> Who is saying that? That's what I want to know. There's one reporter. There's one. But no, no Mason Fine. I mean, and I I still get people that are like, oh, you should recruit a Mason Fine. No, they shouldn't have. No, they shouldn't have. He was a good player at North Texas. You guys don't understand how different that is. That's not the same thing. North Texas is a really good football team on their level that would have come into Norman and lost by forty. Well, I mean, to me, the only real big question left in the draft is how high Kenneth Murray goes. And I, you know, I think he's done everything the right way. He's been fortunate, I think, in that, you know, oh, you had a pro day. He didn't participate in, in you know, did he do position drills at OU's pro day? I can't even remember. No. He-, he didn't even do that, did he? Yeah. So he did nothing. And, like, the thing about Kenneth Murray is he, he hasn't done anything at all to hurt his stock since the end of the season and it's just Guys, like did you listen oh go ahead no and i mean i'm just it's it, it's just like he's kind of been fortunate in that way too i think sure i i've you know i i'm a big daniel jeremiah fan i was listening to his podcast and he did a mock draft like with peter schrager where they just kind of went odd even where one guy would pick the first pick next guy second pick and you know so on and so forth and they were talking, I th- they mocked Kenneth Murray to Philadelphia at like 21, which I kind of hope that doesn't happen for Kenneth Murray because all Philadelphia fans want is a wide receiver, and I don't care if he ends up being a Hall of Famer, they're going to hate that pick. But the the thing that I that was interesting is each of them had talked to two different general managers who said that he was literally the best interview they'd ever done at the Combine. Like just that he was that outstanding and that impressive. And they both said, yeah, we've got him here at 21 in this mock, but we don't think he'll last that long. But that's always been Kenneth's strength. I mean, you know, taking responsibility, no at doubt. times taking bullets, uh, talking about how many times. Remember how many times he talked about, you know, the, the number of times he watched the Rose Bowl back and this and that. But he still went out and had a very average year that year. Would you guys say, and I, I've never thought about it. I think it's just because we've had these two conversations back to back. Is Kenneth Murray almost what people want to believe Jalen Hurts is? And and Jalen Hurts is just what he is? I mean, I think Kenneth Murray is a freak of an athlete. It's just... No, no, I mean from a leadership perspective. Oh. Like, I feel like Kenneth is that guy. And Jalen, like, I'm not saying he's not, but there is, I mean, like Eddie has hinted at plenty, there is plenty of reason to believe that maybe he didn't ingratiate himself the way he could have. That Kenneth didn't? No, that Jalen. Oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I think every, and not I, that he I, believes I, he did. Yeah, I think what Josh is trying to say is basically 
Kenneth Murray is every bit of the leader that Jalen Hurts has been out to made to be by the national media. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> or, it. I, or I maybe he's the guy more, that, more so. Yep. And the, the person, the leader, like he is the guy that Jalen Hurts is, you know, reputed to be. But I, I, I think we're all a little skeptical that that's the actual fact. I, I, I'd agree with that. I think that's probably pretty fair to say. Yeah, I do too. And again, it's just, it, 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 it kind of sounds weird. And I guess maybe a little bit, I, I don't know. It sounds basically that we're just shitting on him because uh, he didn't live up to the quote-unquote standards of what Oklahoma quarterbacks have been. It really it really isn't that. I, I don't think that it's that at all. He just runs just as a, as a person. And again, maybe that's a little bit of an incomplete uh, analysis on my part because I really don't – I don't know Jalen Hurts. We don't, we don't ever get to know these guys as actual people. Well, you know even what? if you had I mean, a lot of access to Jalen, even if you had a lot of access to Jalen, I don't know that you'd ever really get to know that kid. He's just, I think that's fair. I think, he'd let you. Yeah. I think that's fair. He doesn't let anybody close to him or what he's really about. Yep. Now, I, I, I don't want my comments to come off like I think Jalen's a bad person. Like, it's not that. I just don't think he's quite what is portrayed publicly. And I think Ken, Kenneth is a guy that, like, I remember talking to him in high school. I was like, this dude just gets it. I mean, like, he just, uh, he's just a, he's wired differently. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that, look, Kenneth had a really good year. And a lot of that bad tape that we saw on him his first two years, we didn't see as much of it. I mean, he got better. And, you know, whether that was, I, you know, I think Brian Odom had a lot to do with that. Um, I, I, you know, he obviously connected to him better. And I think just, <laughs> this sounds bad, but I think probably not having a loose cannon around like Curtis Bolton probably helped him a little bit. I mean, helped galvanize him as the leader in that locker room this last year. Because uh, Curtis well, Bolton would just come in I, and undo you know, any kind of team unity that there was because <laughs> he'd just speak his mind and say what he wanted to say whenever you'd ask him a question. Well, I, I think theory. in a way, if, if you really want to kind of break that down, I think that goes back to the position coach. Brian Odom had a much better stranglehold, uh, a much better feel for his players than maybe somebody like a Tim Kish, don't you think? Yeah. And in return, they probably got a little bit more respect to Brown, uh, you know, from player to coach and coach to player. I think that's fair from what little we can glean from that, yeah. There's no doubt that Kenneth Murray had – had a lot more affection toward Brian Odom than he, he loved Tim Kish and he never said a bad word about him, but he gushed over Brian Odom. Yeah, for sure. Well, think about how he could have worded that comment he made after the peach bowl. Like, I mean, he could have been like, I just love playing for coach Odom. This is one of the funnest years of my life. You know, he didn't have, but I mean, best linebacker coach in the country, best linebacker coach I ever played for, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. Like it, it could have been, much less direct. And I don't think it was a shot at Kish so much as, like, he just loved Brian Odom. I think the thing about Grinch and Odom, because they, I mean, let's let's remember, they were pretty much a package deal. I mean, Odom was coming with Grinch no matter what. They're both young guys that really approach the game uh, in an old-school way, but they're not afraid. Like, I think some coaches that have been in the business for a long time, they know that, players have changed and the way you have to approach players have changed 
but I think they kind of use kid gloves knowing that they just can't be dicks to everybody. Whereas I think Grinch and Brent Venables was really good at this too. Uh, and Brian Odom, like they can be a little bit old school because they know when to let up and when to, you know, when to let that new era of kid kind of be that new era of kid. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and they know the personality of the kids that they're dealing with. They know how much they can take. They know when they need to push and when they need to to give to rein it back a little. And that's just a, a credit to you know those guys and how well they're in tune with today's players. And it shows up then on Saturdays with the way that those guys have been performing. You can tell that they've got that great relationship that maybe they didn't have in the past and. You know, when you've got that nice connection formed, you see that it just brings out the best in them. It's kind of like with Deshaun White. Like, you always – he didn't play as much as you thought he would play this year. But a lot of that was them just saying, look, you're not doing what we need you to do, so you're not playing as much as you could be. Well, guys, I, I sitting, you brought up Deshaun, and it made me think, do you remember last spring? Like, we were hearing the conversations like, I mean, it tells you how important this spring could have been for some some players that were that had a chance to kind of take some playing time or whatever. I heard more buzz about White last spring than I did Murray. Like no, I, I felt a little concerned that Murray was in some trouble. No, it's because Brian Odom, when we talked to him in the preseason, well, the pre-spring, he gushed about I've never I've never coached an athlete like Kenneth Murray, and can't wait to get you know get into practice with him. And then when we talked to him after that, he was always talking about Deshaun White, and he was never really pumping up Kenneth Murray. And to the point where I think I it I turned to Eddie at one point, and I was like, "Do you think it's kind of weird that he never mentions Kenneth Murray anymore?" I mean, I remember that yeah, happening. I think we talked about that on the pod. Like I remember having because I I don't know that we had talked about it privately. I think you said something in the pod, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's gone even farther than I realized." Shit, I, I think if you could even go back and look, and, and obviously we can, but uh, I almost remember one of us, and it might have been me, writing that Deshaun White would be the starter by the end of the year in one of our preseason roundtables. And if that we did write that, I'll scrub it from the internet, and nobody will ever find it, but... <laughs> Eddie is currently searching. Eddie Ratto, Deshaun White, starter. Searching now. <laughs> well, it's, it's almost like, like Odom was so confident with Murray that maybe he felt he never needed to bring him up again because he knew what he had, and now he had to see what he had with some of those other guys he had to try to get the best out of them because he was still searching to know what, what could be their best. Yeah, I guess just it was just different because, you know, whenever we talked to Grinch, he would just say, well, I have two safeties. I have Delarian Turner-Yell and yeah. I have Patrick Fields. <laughs> And nobody else is showing me a damn thing. Like, he was very honest and fr- upfront about the safety position, and it kind of took uh, a broken collarbone to show us that he was actually very right. He had no other safeties. Although the one thing we did get out of the spring is that they they admired the hell out of Woody Washington for what he did in the Peach Bowl. I've gone on and on about that. He played well in that game. People people only see the touchdown catches and don't realize it was just great players making great throws and catches. Like sometimes, you know, you just get beat. 
Let me ask you this. What's the percentage that Joe Burrow has bust potential in the NFL? I think it's higher than people think it is. I mm, see one kind year of, wonder like that scares yeah, me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. That offensive line was so massive; he never had any pressure. I mean, oh, you had no chance to get to him in that game. He was uh, it was it was routes on air. Even even with you know, Perkins, they probably wouldn't have gotten much no. pressure on him. No, I, I mean that line. Don't get me wrong; it like. The Clemson line the year before, I would like to see them work against them just because I think their defensive line, yeah, put some heat on him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to put some heat on him, but it was, uh, you're right. I mean, like I, like I said, it just concerns me when a guy makes that big of a jump in one year, especially and it's when only a one year sample. And, yeah, yep. That that's just such a small sample size to go pinning all your hopes on. Um, and I think we can look at Sam Bradford as a really good example of a guy that goes to a bad situation and they don't ever fix it. I mean, like, look at Baker. His offensive line was bad last year. It, he didn't have a great year, but he didn't have a whole lot of protection. And he didn't have a ton of it when he was a rookie, but he had better than he had a year ago. Like, unless you're Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, you've got to have an offense. If you're a drop-back throwing quarterback, and, and Joe Burrow is athletic... But, you know, you spend enough games with people nipping at your ankles and legs and you're getting hit all the time. Like, you lose that confidence. You can you can lose that confidence really quick. From a psyche oh. level, from a just a pure confidence level, I don't think that there is any doubt. And I'll, I'll take it. This is my grave. And I'm, I'm biased. And I think everybody kind of knows that. But the first couple years in – uh, St. Louis, I, in my opinion, it made Sam hate football in a way that I don't think that he was ready for mentally just because of the grind and all the losing that went into it. it and, you know, I, Joe Burrow and Sam kind of parallel in a way that everything they did growing up, and I guess you could say that for a lot of those number one picks, they've always grown up being guys that just, they never were on teams that lost or had to deal with failure. So I I I I buy into that one hundred percent, Gary. Well, you know, he did lose that that offensive lineman heading into his senior year that was so crucial to his success. All I know is my senior year we went to the state semifinals and they didn't make the playoffs the next year. So I'm not saying you put two, two together, but hey, hey Eddie's team yeah, really took out Jinx in I, Tulsa. Something must have happened to uh, – something must have happened. I will give some credit to Deji Kareem. He was pretty goddamn good. Sam was <laughs> Sam was running for his life most of his senior year, though. Oh. No, he I was. remember having those conversations. People were, people were telling me, like, oh, he, he's not that good. Look at his numbers. I'm like, go watch his games. He's getting killed up front. Like, they're, they're just nothing, which is amazing because North had a Division One offensive lineman that year. Yeah, what was that kid's name? I think I've, I've told you my opinion of that multiple times, Josh. We don't yeah. need to read. Sure, sure. Myron McKinney was the guy. Yeah, that that's right. By the way, our guy uh, committed to Georgia last week, Eddie, from Orlando. Wait. Who's that? Oh, Who's the, that? the offensive line? Yeah, yeah. What, Micah Miller? Uh, Micah, Micah, or? Micah Morris. Micah Morris, yeah. God, that kid's good. Yeah, he... he... 
Georgia. That makes sense. He was from Georgia. He's from that area, wasn't right. he? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, it's it's weird when Georgia recruits well. That's that's unusual. <laughs> Uh, Bob, you want to give us an update on hoops because there's been a couple of uh, big transfers this week that you reported on. Yeah, yeah, there were, and I guess we back to last Friday. Jamal Bianami going in the transfer yeah. portal. I have not had a chance yet to talk to Mo Gibson. I'm sort of wondering, did Gibson commit first and then Bianami left, or did Bianami let the OU coaches know that he was going to leave, and then that opened the door for Gibson, so we'll sort of try to clear to uh, clarify that. But no one saw Bianami leaving. There's just nothing to indicate. They were all worried about Alondis Williams being the one to, to sort of leave based on the way he was phased out the last part of the season with Davion Harmon taking all the minutes. But instead, it was Bianami, and that left three open scholarships heading into this week. And now they're down to one. Like they got Mo Mo Gibson, formerly of uh, North Texas, someone who scored. 21 points against the Sooners when they met up in Denton back uh, four months ago. And then got a project, got a bit of a project here with Elijah Harkless from Cal State Northridge, you know, someone who averaged 10 points and five boards in, uh, you know, big, uh, big West play. And and you just sort of wonder if he can develop. He's someone that's going to redshirt for sure. There's no doubt about that, even if they get that one-time free transfer waiver pass. It's not going to matter when it comes to Harkless. And if they can develop him, he'll be a redshirt junior for 2021-2022. Going back to Gibson, that's the one they want eligible. They want him to get that waiver or they want that one-time transfer thing to pass so that he'd be a redshirt junior coming up to this year. That would be a huge uh, shot in the arm for, for, for the Sooners. They've still got one open scholarship. I think they're just going to go to 2021. You're not going to find a lot of grad transfer post players that are worth a damn at at this point. It's kind of like if they were good enough, they would have already done something. So I think they'll look to 2021. They want to get guards. They got their two guards. And now they can move forward and try to figure out how guys like Kirk Quest and Rick Asanza and guys like that can sort of make the next step in the post now that they've fortified their guard play. And what is it, officially two players then uh, that have entered the portal since the end of the season? Yeah, it was uh, Corbin Merritt, which, I mean, that's one of those that goes back to OU football with the defensive guys. Like, yeah, duh, Corbin Merritt's not going to be with this team when they suit up next year. But Biennemi, if you wanted to go with the football term again, that'd be your Trey Sermon, the one you didn't see coming. And so they had one open scholarship because that was there for Bryce Thompson way Back when, and when he picked Kansas, they didn't just fill it. And then they lost Merritt and Bianami, so they they had three to play with. And they knew they wanted to get guards and getting Gibson. That That's the big one. That's the one that could really make a difference, especially if they can get him eligible for this year come, uh, coming up. If someone averaged 14.5 points per game, second team all-conference USA for a mean green squad that won the regular season uh, championship there. If they can get him there and pair him up with Harmon and Austin Reeves as, as their, as their top three guys in the, in the backcourt is sort of interchangeable parts in terms of point guard, off guard and things of that nature. That is a, that you don't take a step backward 
if if that can go down for sure. Anything else on the football side of thing we need to uh, hit on before we get out? Recruiting wise. No, nothing immediately comes to mind. I mean, it's been they they've sent out some more and, offers, but I mean, it's it slowed down a little bit in that regard. And and that's what gets frustrating, I think, for some uh, fans, right? Is when they see these other schools making these moves, and now it does see like OU is slowing down a bit. They they had to. They couldn't become that school that offers four hundred kids for every single class. But you're sort of in a holding pattern because with nothing going on. You see the other schools making moves, so you start wondering, like, when is it going to happen for my school? And you know, that's just sort of what, what, what we've been uh, talking about And, and until – I know people want there to be news. I just don't know how much news is legitimately out there. Here's a, here's a thought. Maybe with the loss of the spring game and, you know, the so many potential rumors around Caleb Williams, maybe – the, the staff shifts and says, hey, we want you to commit before the draft because they've got all the stuff that's out there with, you know, Kyler and Baker. Maybe they kind of make a big social push um, surrounding the draft this year. Man, you remember they did that a couple of years ago, right? With mm-hmm. Baker and Spencer Rattler? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. My only thought is, does that get lost in the shuffle? Like, I mean, like if you're trying to make that a big deal, it's the one. It's the one sporting event we have this whole spring to look forward to. Like, I I'll be personally honest. You guys know I love the NFL draft. I love the combine. I like all that leads up to it. I'm gonna be pissed off if I have to cover recruiting like something like that while the draft is going on. I'm like, you have days. I have days where there's nothing to talk about. Give me this, and I will sink my teeth into it for weeks. But if you're just going to do it right now, when there actually is something fun to look forward to, I'm going to be ha- I'm going to be pissed. I mean, more or, less, aren't more or less pissed would you be if uh, he committed on, uh, let's say, let's say your birthday? My birthday is an annual rite of passage that every recruit must pick the one in the class who will commit on my birthday. It's going to happen every year. I have come to accept it. Um, so you're so just I, reserved to it. So you'd be pissed off level of like masters on spring game weekend. No, last year we were looking at, well, last year the signing day, first early signing period was on my birthday. So we had that. Um, but I mean, I, I think if you include that, like six of the last seven years, OU has gotten a commitment on my birthday. Like it's insane, the track record. Like you going all the way back to Tony Jefferson and Kenny Stills. That's great. That's going back to when Bob Bob Stoops wanted to finish the class December and January. I would say, luckily, we don't really have that too much now. I mean, everybody knows I don't have skin in the game now, but when I did, I would say Christmas commitments were the worst, much worse than birthdays. Yeah, because your birthday it's your own personal thing. Like, do you? I mean, and I especially when honestly, it was when it was Brandon Shelby or Selby. I can't even remember now. Uh, oh God, that's like oh, that ended up just being a blitz specialist as a Nickelback, and I had to waste an entire Christmas chasing down his commitment. Thanks. The one I remember, well, I'll always remember is um, 
McFarland, Jamar. Oh yeah, he announced it on that USA Today story on Christmas, like early afternoon, you it was like son one of o'clock a bitch. or something. Yeah, that was less than stellar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, Christmas because I like I'm a big Christmas guy. I want to be with my family. I want to spend time with them. But they're aware that you're not there on your birthday. They're not thinking about it. Like, and my birthday, if Tiffany didn't make a big deal of it, I wouldn't care. Like, I we could go to a nice dinner and that's it. That's really all I care to do on my birthday. That's fine. But for Tiffany, she wants me to do stuff, so it's a bigger deal. But Christmas, yeah, Christmas sucks because the kids notice it. Like everything, that's not cool when that happens. Um, any uh, any any good streaming recommendations before we get out? I still haven't watched Tiger King. Uh, you've kind of missed. No, the window. don't give him anything and tell him. I know. I really do yeah. feel like I know everything there is to know. Like watching it is just. I can. I feel like I can almost competently talk about it without ever having watched it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that window's sailed. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm basically out of out on Tiger King. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to announce. It. It's a little much for me now anymore. It got a little too mainstream huh. for you. Uh, I don't know about mainstream. Just as much as there's no real winners in this. I think they're all f-ing losers. Uh, I hope they all kind of basically spend their rest of their lives in jail. I, I think that's probably the best way to say it. Finished all three seasons of Ozark. <laughs> Cannot recommend it enough. That is sensational. Hmm. I, that, that's, I, I'm now like, I sampled the office and I was like, eh, it didn't do a lot for me at first. But now it's really starting to get good, and so like I'm like every free minute I'm watching The Office. Um, the Office is so different from every other sitcom because of the awkwardness of Michael Scott. Like, it's just it's, it's not it's the greatest. It's the greatest sitcom that I've ever watched. It's it's my number one. It's not like lighthearted, funny sometimes. Sometimes I mean like Dwight and 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 Jim make it lighthearted, but like. Michael Scott just makes it so awkward all the time, and it just, it's cringeworthy. Like, you can't say that about Seinfeld. You can't say that about, like, 30 Rock or even, like, Parks and Rec. I mean, there's a little bit of that in Parks and Rec, but it's it's still more lighthearted funny. Like, The Office is just, it's cringeworthy funny, and there's just nothing else like it. It's cringeworthy uh, just... enough to the extent that you feel that cringe. Like, yes. you got to you gotta it's walk uncomfortable. Out of the room. Yes. Yeah. And and that's oh. I think what makes it so great. I think that's the the genius in what they did. And you'll it'll never be able to be uh, in my mind recaptured because it was the perfect scenario of the perfect people at the perfect time. That's I love it. It's it's my number one. There's no doubt. And about see it. to me that's where they recaptured the magic is after uh, Steve Carell left. They didn't really recapture that magic until Robert California showed up because he was cringe, super cringeworthy too. The I just got done last night with the one where Michael basically outs Oscar, not basically, just absolutely <laughs> does out Oscar as a homosexual. Yeah, and him try like the kiss. Yes, and the whole yes. Thing. Oh god! <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, this is, I can get behind this because it's just so like. <laughs> It, it, I, and I struggle because, like, sometimes I feel like they make shows and movies where I'm like, there's no people like that in the real world. Like, so I, you would have had to, got, you would have had to, you would have had to seen the episode then, the one where 
Oscar calls in sick and Dwight follows him around. Yes. Yeah, and that was a doing, great like, episode. He's, he's with his yes. he's with his partner the entire time. What I love is when he pulls up in the driveway and catches him, and he's like, clearly got him, and there's no recognition. I mean, he's like talking about how attentive he is, and there's no recognition that he's clearly living with another yes. man. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that show's really hard to beat. It's really good. Yeah, I think my my goal is to get caught up on Better Call Saul because I've heard the last two episodes of the season that's going on now are just fantastic. Like, as good as any any Breaking Bad stuff. Oh, that's going to... That's upsetting, because I, ha- I, I don't have it. Like, um, my primary streaming is Hulu, and I don't have... Like, they don't have the season immediately up. Like, AMC makes them wait. So I have no access to any of it for, like, another year, which is insane. So you've cut the cable? Oh, yeah, yeah, I cut, oh, God, I probably, I cut almost a year ago now. So, I mean, we've got, like, we've don't got go Netflix, to, we've got Don't Hulu, go to Josh for live streaming updates of sporting events when they come back then. Hey, no. Ten minutes I, behind. Oh, no, no. Like, I all last season when I would post stuff, that was me watching Hulu. I mean, I, it, it's about, it's usually about a play behind. So, like, I tried to not be too, like, I really, I did, I thought about it. I was like, how do I? do this and not like josh is talking about a play that happened a quarter ago like i tried to be really like okay neville gallimore is really starting to take over this game rather than that play on third and ten you know it wasn't quite so uh so specific that's gonna be really interesting if you know all this stuff comes to fruition football comes back like what i know the fans won't be there but, like, I'm really curious, and, and maybe we're the only ones that care about this, but, you know, I'm going to be curious. Can Eddie go out and film games? And are we going to be, are we going to be like, sitting in a room, like, watching a closed caption feed? Yeah. Well, and for me, like, high school games and stuff. Like, I, I, yeah. I keep telling Tiffany, I was like, I don't feel like I'm going to get to be here at all this fall because I'm going to have to work so hard to catch up on all the crap I should have been seeing this spring and summer. Like, I'm going to want to travel all the time, and I don't know if I'll be able to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going it, to – there's – I, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. We're kind of in a space now where, like I said, with the start of the podcast, where Dr. Fauci's come out and said this could happen, so I think that really opens the door for it happening because, let's face it, that's who the ADs and the presidents are really listening to. Exactly. They need a green light. They need they need a way to defend themselves when they make that decision. And they, you know, Dr. Fauci said it's okay. But like you said, golf and baseball could really screw it up before it all gets going. So we still got golf. Yeah, I mean, if all the golfers start getting it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, golf is always ruin it for everybody. <laughs> Interesting stand. <laughs> With Eddie on the pod. Oh, I know. That that was pure bait. <laughs> I guess Eddie's checked out for today. He did not take the bait. I was I was reading the uh, a tweet that just came across that said that the uh, Alabama Media Group announced they were going to cut all employees' pay for the rest of the year. Ooh, is that who is that? Al dot com. Yeah. Well, they have, I know they have a ridiculous amount of sports writers 
covering Alabama. So they're kind of like an athletic department. They're a little overextended. Yeah. I could, that just sucks for some of those people, but now have you, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel pretty positive about the direction of things and uh, got to stay with it through the rest of the month and, you know, possibly into uh, May, middle of May and kind of reevaluate from there. But I, I feel like things are positive. I'm a lot more uh, glass half full than I was probably oh, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Yeah, the only Two way weeks ago you were dark. The only way this well, I mean, let's face it, a, a day feels like a week these days. So it's it's Oh, but that Thunder game feels like it was five years ago. I know, and it was five weeks ago. But look, the only thing that really gets us all over the hump is when they say a vaccine has been created. And, you know, you hear like, well, it'll take at least a year before that's all readily available. But yeah, that's the one thing that that opens it up automatically or opens up the possibility on. But I think it's we're in as good a place as we are as we finish this podcast as we've been since we started with hope that there will be football this year. So that's not a bad place to be. By the way, Eddie, has your uh, slow cooker arrived yet? No, it got uh, backward. Oh, so it's, it's supposed Delicious. to be here in, on uh, May first. I had a I had a. Uh, Have you guys ever had? I've I told my mom that I've never heard of something being backordered on Amazon. That happens. Yeah, yeah. Usually not yep. after you order That's it. A long one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually it just shows you it's backordered. Like if it's like an Amazon okay. Choice or something, a lot of that yeah. stuff will be backordered. I don't Amazon know. Probably it's owes coming though, so money. we'll see. In the meantime, my uh, my cooking has been uh, suspended indefinitely. <laughs> Did it get into some trouble, Eddie? Uh, yeah, oh, something like we that. We set off it, a fire just, alarm. I only I only cook when school's in session. How about that? <laughs> I've actually I actually made the Gordon Ramsay eggs yesterday, and it was delightful. I struggle with those. I don't, what are those? I can't. It's a way that you do scrambled eggs, but you do it in a pot, and you stir it the entire time, and you have to, like, remove it from the heat and then keep stirring and then put it on the heat. Mm-hmm. But it makes incredibly fluffy and creamy eggs. And you, do, and you don't uh, whisk them before you start. Right, you yeah, put you put the them in the pot. Slowly work with them a, with yeah. some pats of butter. And then it all melts and starts cooking. And then you put, you wait till towards the end to season it. And then you put like they, it, it's creme fresh, but I just put sour cream in mine. But it's fantastic. I recommend going online and just looking up Gordon Ramsay eggs. It's worth it. Your hand will almost fall off though from all the stirring. <laughs> so other than that, some people, yeah, some people's hands are probably. Uh... Well conditioned for that type of action, you know. Especially right now. I mean, I think everybody's really, you know, yeah. in their top, their peak performance at the moment. I've noticed that there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, movement in the deep fake porn category. I will say that <laughs> they need to step up their game probably there. Because probably because the deep fake is spending all their time working on Tom Hanks holograms. 
so he can host Saturday Night Live from prison. <laughs> I thought that was a good Saturday Night Live episode this weekend. The Zoom oh, thing was it, hilarious. It was okay. It was, it was like the, uh, I, th- I thought it was like the, uh, uh, it was a better version of the horse competition. I appreciate the idea. I appreciate the effort, but I'm ready to move on. Nobody realizes that Trey Young was actually shooting outdoors in Norman with like 40 mile an hour winds. I <laughs> know it was, it was it, of all days to do that. That was like the worst weather day in Oklahoma of the last week. Yeah. Well, I guess Monday was, but Friday was damn near awful. No, I kept having to turn on, turn it back to, uh, um, like a network station to make sure there weren't tornadoes because the tree on the side of my house I felt like was going to come into the, come into my living room banging up against the windows. I mean, it was awful. Yeah, it kept setting off our security cameras. I didn't catch how, that, Bob. How, it kept setting off security cameras for, for us to how violent it was swaying. You live in a fortress of solitude? <laughs> All right, um, I think that'll do it. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, I know you're probably going stir-crazy like a lot of people. We'll continue to try and keep you entertained as as much as we can. Josh is done fighting with houses, so he should be around a lot more. Right, Josh? I am am present. I am locked in a... A uh, small house. I have plenty of time to do work. There is little else to do. I think we've we've figured out your kryptonite is definitely houses. What do you mean? You have trouble with houses, whether it's getting in them, moving from one to another. It's uh, it's well, your in your your enemy number one. I think, that, houses. I think that's just a a human thing. Moving, as you guys remember. Oh, it's moving, awful. Damn near one makes you think about ulterior ways to not live. I, that's as probably as irritable as I've ever seen Eddie is when he was moving. Yeah. I know people think of Eddie on the pod as like kind of just hostile. That's, that's not Eddie. Eddie's easy going like, but he was not super fun at that point. In time. Eddie reached that age where it's the worst age possible. It's where you've, you've, you've been in a profession for a while and you don't realize how much shit you actually have until you have to start taking stuff out of drawers and putting it in boxes. And you realize, like, oh, my God, there's 20 boxes, and I've only cleaned out one one dresser. <laughs> yeah. See, this was yes. The, this was the first move <laughs> ever where we had legitimate moving help. Like, we had to hire people. Well... Linda's family, well, that's also right? a good thing because that means that you're probably not going to be moving for a while. So that's that's uh, settled in. Is no, Lin- hey, that's the, that's that, that's a great news. We move again in six months. Is Linda? Does Linda still continue after the move? Yes, Ooh. yes. Linda, Linda is already. Um, she's already contacting Tiffany about when she's going to get to clean the house again. She's ready. She, she's she's ready to rock. So. Tiffany is literally in this room, and as soon as Linda came up, she like leered at me. This is this is, guys. I can say whatever about Tiffany, but Linda is dangerous territory. I don't think we've ever said a bad thing about Linda. I don't think we've ever said a good thing about Linda. If Linda, if Linda <laughs> heard this podcast, that poor woman. <laughs> All right, 
I, I definitely think it's time to end the pod right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you're doing well at home. And uh, stay safe. Don't be a COVID idiot. Don't join uh, the other idiots in Oklahoma that are protesting because they want to go back to work. Uh, I, I fear for our lives. I fear for football. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll see you guys back here again next week right here on the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com.